Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. I trust the Lord that our lives and our ministries will forever be changed by this encounter in the name of Jesus. We're going to have two sessions. First of all, I want to thank you, every one of you who have taken out time to be here. Um, One of the greatest respects that people can give to you is to give you their time. And because as pastors, there are many things we can do at this moment that... um, but we have chosen to be here, and I want to thank you for that. And thank you, uh, Pastor Ben Great, for your warm hospitality and opening your house to receive this. Um, this is a minister's meeting, and so it's important that um, trusting the Lord that we're going to be done by 12 o'clock by God's grace. We'll have two sessions. I'll teach the first session for about 45, 50 minutes. And we can have a short break and then I'll do another session for 40 minutes and then we can ask questions and answer um, as the Lord leads us. So, I, I want us to get into the Word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your Word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. We're looking at the minister and the word. The minister and the word. Building capacity for effective ministry. The minister and the word. Building capacity for effective ministry. I'd like to say this. When your definition of ministry is wrong, your pursuit would be wrong. If your definition of ministry is wrong, your pursuit will be wrong. My first degree is in education. So, my first degree is in social studies education. Now, in, 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 in exams, if you tell a child, for instance, clearly define, uh, what can we say now? Let's say, clearly define, for instance, you say, define culture. Right? Define Define culture. Then you go ahead to say, list three elements of culture. Alright? You now go ahead to say, list uh, several cultures you can find in Nigeria. Those are three questions. Define culture. List three elements of culture. And then list three types of culture you can find in Nigeria. If the student gets the first question wrong, if he says culture is the number of cars in a country. <laughs> you know some students are very wise. They are wiser than the teachers. They are the ones They are the ones David said, your commandments have made me wiser than my teachers. They are those type of, you know. So, if the student says, if the student says, uh, culture is, I hope nobody thinks that's the correct definition of culture. Okay. <laughs> if the student says, culture is the number of cars in a country. When you now say, what are three elements of culture? What is he going to mention? 
Jerusa. Are you understanding? Lexus. Mercedes Benz. When I say name three cultural, he's going to say, well, if you go to the north, you see a lot of Vespa. If you go to the south, you see a lot of Jeep. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, now, he is correct based on his definition of what culture, because he has told you that culture is the number of cars in a country. So he is correct that in his definition of culture, the element of his own culture, since it has to do with the number of cars, so the element of culture in his definition now is, has to do with the brands of cars. But he can come out of that exam situation and say, we killed the teacher. Then we finished him. I was even thinking the subject would be stronger. Say, but just the culture. What is culture? Numbers of cars in a country. I thought he would ask a more serious question. It's the same thing with ministry. If you get your definition wrong, you will boast in your own doings. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you, that, well, this thing will call ministry. If your definition is wrong, every other thing that follows will be wrong. That's why many times when you talk about ministry to certain people, the things they start to talk about, you wonder that, uh-uh, wait, uh-uh, we are talking ministry. You know, we're discussing ministry. Yes, we're talking about ministry. And you say, no, we're talking about the ministry of God's word. They say, yes. That's what, wow, that's what we're talking about now. No. Now, for every... You know, follow me carefully now. For everything that will be tested, there is a standard. That means that your ministry is going to be judged. There is a standard set by you. There is a standard set by God. Show us to try this. All right. Praise God. All right. Can we try this now? Praise God. Okay. For every ministry that will be judged, there is a standard. And that standard is set by God who initiates the ministry. So when you now say your definition of culture, that culture, you are not the one to redefine it. It has been defined already. Are you following this now? Come on, are you with me? All you have to do is to repeat what the examiner has said culture means. Are you still here? Now, assume that many people know what ministry is. But ministry is, is something that we cut out. So most people just end up copying without even finding out is this thing that I'm copying the right thing? Now, what does it mean to be effective? We're talking about building capacity for effective ministry. What does it mean to be effective? To be effective means producing a decided or desired effect. So, if I say that somebody is effective in ministry, I'm talking about the fact that that person is producing a decided or desired effect, adequate to accomplish a purpose, or producing the intended or expected results. So, there is an intended result, there is an expected result. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going very carefully because I don't want us to miss this. It's very important. There is an expected result for your ministry. There is, uh, there is a general result that is expected for every ministry. Alright? The General result, yeah, I took one. Thank you. Thank you. The general result 
is that at the end of your ministry, Ephesians chapter 4, the people that are under you are equipped. They are trained for the work of the ministry. Are you following this? The ministry was not designed for you to make a name. It's not your name God wants to exalt. It's the name of Jesus. And so, one of the ways that God measures your ministry is how are the people that are under you equipped? How are they trained for the work of ministry? Praise God. I'll tell you this now. It's not how many cars that are packed. There's nothing wrong with cars. We came here on a car. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? But do you realize that Maggie, you know, you know Maggie, right? If you don't know Maggie, you should not be here. No, it's not the name of a pastor. Maggie that you used to cook. <laughs> but you know Maggie, right? You know Maggie can organize a cooking competition here and there will be many cars. But you know, Maggie can have to flow with the Spirit. Although some people can eat so much and they start seeing things. But that's not what we're talking about. So there is a spiritual marker for the ministry that is not earthly. Many times, because we live in the world system, we are always quick to judge someone by the earthly markers because that's actually what we can see and what we can feel and what we can touch and so because of that a lot of ministers consider themselves a failure when they do not have some of those earthly markers because that is what we used to judge so when you look at a minister and you tell a minister that I'm trusting God to give you a breakthrough in ministry his mind quickly goes to a big auditorium 1,000 people and cars He would not see that as a breakthrough in the sense of maybe the Lord would enable me to be able to reach more Muslims. He wouldn't define that as a breakthrough. So because the definition is already wrong, our pursuit is wrong. So let's say for instance, I was a white man now, flying down. See, we have Pastor Maxwell from California. Speaking in a way that you probably wouldn't even understand everything I'm saying. I know what I'm saying. I would say, well, we would have food. We would give out free books. We would give out free Bibles. And there will be shoes for every participant. Then even those who are not called would show up. Because we would take our self-esteem from the fact that when that white man came, I was there. Or let's say, God's servant, Dr. Paul Enenche is coming. There will not be space. You know the reason why? It's not probably because they really want to learn something from him. It's the fact that if he can touch me, ah, or if I can touch the hem of his garment, if he can impart me, my life will not be the same again. Your life remains at the same spot regardless of the impartation if you have not built capacity. Because impartation on someone who has not built capacity is wasted treasure. So, you can go to all the meetings you can in this world. You can travel around the world. You will still be the same. Because in ministry, there are personal dealings that cannot be replaced. That is your work with God. We live in a generation that is in a hurry to make it to the top. Let me tell you something. In ministry, there is no top. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you, are you with me? In ministry, there is nothing like I have made it to the top. There is no top. 
Ministry is consistent faithfulness for the rest of your life. Ministry is consistent faithfulness for the rest of your life. That is, you know what ministry is? If the Lord says, Pastor, your work that I've told you to do, Pastor, this lady for the rest of your life. What that means is that you stay faithful. Do you know that? that that's it. That is, that is, you stay faithful. So how should we be judging people? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Are you following this? <laughs> you see, whatever you need, for your assignment, God can get it to you. There are certain things you don't need. Let's look at something. Luke 17. Are you learning something this morning? Luke 17. Verse 9 to 10. If you have, I use the New American Standard Bible, if you have that. But if you don't have that, you can use the New King James. We have retired from King James many years ago. I can't even read it anymore. Uh, dot, he, no, yeah, uh -huh. something like this is even better. Praise the name of the Lord. Maybe Pastor Paul, another anointed man of God, can still, you know, we are still learning. So it's better we use the one we can. We can read. Um, can we start reading from verse 7? Which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come immediately and sit down to eat. Since you have a servant, he's walking in the field. And you tell him, Come immediately, come and sit down to eat. Look at that word. Come immediately. That's what we want. Immediately God anoints us. We want him to tell us, oh yeah, come and eat. You know, when I say that it means people, the, the, the question I even ask people is, what are you in a hurry for? You'll be in ministry for, if you don't plan to die early. You know, there are some people who plan to die early by doing many things that God did not send them. So, actually, they set up themselves for early death. You know, if you do what you, are, what you are not saying, you are on your own. And you will weary yourself down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are pastors here, and this is a word of knowledge. The Lord has not called you to send to plant branches. It's your branches that are giving you high blood pressure. If you shut the branches down, you'll be well. That is a word of knowledge. Alright, so if you do what God hasn't sent you, you kill yourself before time. That's how a minister plans to die early. By stepping... <laughs> okay, so, so if you do what God has not called you to do, right, that's how a minister plans to, do early, to die early because you send yourself on an assignment that the Lord has not sent you and you expend your resources in the places that the Lord hasn't given you resources. Now, one of the things we do is that we consider having many branches as a sign of success. The Lord did not ask everybody to plant many branches. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, if you do that, you should secure yourself because they will keep giving you troubles. Pastors will keep leaving you. You will have all kinds of sicknesses that the doctor cannot find out what's wrong with you because what is wrong with you is not natural. It's the branches. There's no cure for that except to close them down. That's why faithfulness must be more important to you than appearing successful in the eyes of men. So, <clears throat> Paul wanted to go to Bithna to preach. 
And the Lord told him, don't go. He says, we, we wanted to go to... And said, the Lord says, don't go. And said, God said, go to Macedonia. But don't the people of Bethlehem need to hear God's word? You're not the one God is sending. You can't be more interested in the work than the Lord of the harvest. Your zeal is not equal to your call. Be zealous in your assignment, in your field. Praise God. You know, I'll, I'll say this. And my, my brother here, Pastor Paul, my, this, is, this is my number one friend in the world. We've been friends for 20 years since we were in school. And we have never quarreled. You know, there are people who boast in their friendship that after our last fight, we became stronger. You can't use carnality to validate spirituality. Yeah, we've been friends for 20 years and very good friends at that. When I started teaching and training pastors, it was not something I desired. I stumbled into it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Most of the things the Lord will lead you into, as you stay faithful in an area, you would stumble into them. I never sat down to say, you know what? We will put pastors together. We will now, ah, wait, let's write. No, I didn't. I wanted to share a thought in one of my books, Dear Timothy, on mentorship in ministry. That mentorship in ministry is not by following people with cars. Listen, listen, please. Let me clear this. I have a car. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I've traveled. So I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm just putting everything in perspective. Because you can't go and say, ah, God forbid, I reject poverty. No, I'm not promoting poverty. But, you see, these things have blinded our eyes. And we need to tell ourselves the truth. So, I said, Paul said to Timothy, You have known my doctrine and my way of life and my persecutions in Lystra. Today you go to a minister's meeting and nobody will tell you of their persecution. All they tell you is their success. And so, when you're going through your own persecution, you feel that you're not called. And I tell people, if your mentor started his church with 600 people, and you started with 3 people, he, he will not be able to fathom why you don't have 50 people after 5 years. He doesn't understand it. Because his, the first day he opened his church, he started with the children's church. So you cannot compare yourself to a pioneer that God sends to a field to plow a place. Sometimes you will plow and not see harvest. And God will raise other people to come to that field. He says, the labors of others you have entered into. Some pastors are foundation stones. They'll never be seen. They'll never be heard. But they, whatever they built in a region is what others will build upon. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? So, he says... But will he not say to him, verse 8, Prepare something for me to eat and probably clothe yourself, and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterwards you may eat and drink. My parents were teachers before my dad got into the ministry. They used to say something. Teachers' rewards are in heaven. How many of you heard that? How many of you are teachers? Is anybody here a teacher? Okay. Not, hold on first, before you raise your hand. Not forced. You know, people use teaching as, let me just be doing this. Then when the mating comes, I will run and leave the children. So, how many of you are really teachers at heart? Okay, you look like a teacher. Yeah, I can. This is not word of knowledge. This is just naturally. The way teachers comport themselves. You look like one. That's how my mother will comport herself. Okay. You know, they say teachers' rewards are in heaven. And teachers were okay with that. And they were teaching the children, pouring into their lives. They would see a stubborn child, they would talk to the mother, I think this your child needs this. And then afterward, teachers got angry. What is it? Look at what bankers are driving. What can we drive? They started bringing melon to break in the staff room. Started bringing bones. Hmm? Started selling cloth in the staff room. Children would come and come, where are you supposed to go? Government is not paying us. How much is this rapper? What began to happen? The society began to change. It's the same thing with pastors. When we try to collect our reward quickly, 
Hmm? We began to see people as products. So the bigger my church, the more the offering. So we began to arrange with ourselves. You come preach for me and collect money for speakers. Out of that money from speaker, I'll take 20%. I'll come and preach for you. I'll raise money. And you see people began to lie. As I was coming, the Lord told me, there are 10 people here to give 10,000. And after 10 months, 10 angels will appear. Your life will never be the same again. You can deceive people for a while. After a lot of deception, people now understand. Say, these people are thieves. Why did we get a reward now? The pastor's goal is not to be the richest man in the community. If you wanted that, go and be a businessman. Your goal is to train people up in righteousness. The Lord knows how and when to reward you. He says, look at the verse. He says, he would say to him, make something ready. Hmm? Give yourself. When I'm eating, and you shall eat and drink. That means satisfy me. I want you to see something from this parable. Our goal in ministry is to satisfy God. There is a labor in the, there is a, a desire in the heart of God. There's a desire in the mind of God that God wants us to be able to come and satisfy Him. There is a fruit of the earth that Jesus wants to see. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so it's like it's like you finish this assignment and then the Lord says, No, that's not enough. Go do more. He's like, God, when can I rest? Have you ever observed that immediately you finish something, God is giving you a new vision? Immediately you finish something, feel like I finished building this, you know, <laughs> we, we finished our property, we finished building, and I say, God, I can rest. And God speaks, starts speaking to me about our teenage church. Like, God, I'm tired of building. And God says, No, no, you don't get tired. You keep working, you keep working. That's why a minister is a servant. A servant only rests when the master's satisfaction has been met. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at it now says nine. He does not thank the slaves because he did the things which were commanded. Does he? He's not like oh, of course, God appreciates us. But you know, I want you to have a mindset that the fact that God has called you already is an honor, even if He doesn't tell you thank you. The fact that you were selected from among your you see, oh God, help me. Oh, help me, Lord. You know, today I'm so, I look at our ministers all over, and you know, sometimes people say, now to become a pastor is almost like a thing of shame. So when you ask young people, who are you? They say, I'm an author, speaker, life coach, leadership strategist, mind capacity and large development officer the Lord says you are a pastor human resource development officer and you see somebody who God has called into the ministry, he would say the Jewish book said without a vision the people perish a wise man said and say we are using strategy to reach the world no, it's the foolishness of the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You, see, you can't be wiser than the one who owns the work. Stay, it's foolish. The blood of Jesus looks foolish. You know, now when we talk about the blood of Jesus in church, we don't talk about the blood of Jesus when it comes to redemption. The very essence of the blood is not why we talk about the blood. We talk it to protect us from accidents. We plead it on our tires. We plead it on our cars. We plead it in our house. We drink it for job. We don't talk about redemption. But the blood is essentially for redemption. There's so many psychology going on. Packaged leadership secrets of Jesus. Understanding business from the Bible. The Bible was given to us, Paul to Timothy, to make you wise unto salvation. Men's soul matter to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So it says, you do what you're commanded. 
And then he goes on to say this, right? Next verse. So you too, when you have done all the things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. I want you to pay attention to that verse. Like I said, I don't, I'm not here to teach you everlasting gospel. Hmm? Look at that. It says, we have done that which it was our duty to do. We haven't done what we thought we should do. We haven't done what other people thought we should do. We only, I want you to pay attention to that. He said, we have only, only done what we ought to do. That means, if God has called you to be a pastor, after four years of getting tired, don't promote yourself to become an apostle. You know, that's what we do on Facebook now. After I've been a, 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 a pastor for two years, see, I'm tired. I'm an apostle. And for you to be an apostle, according to our criteria, you need to have a couple of churches. So you just send some people there. Hey, you go to Nyanya. Hey, you go there. Hey, I'm an apostle. I have five churches. Hmm? Then you get tired. That's I'm a prophet. So to us, it's like a category. Evangelist, apostle, prophet. You know? Then at the end... You now, those titles are not enough. You now put AKA. It's not enough now. Because you have gone to the end. So, AKA, African Lion. <laughs> you know, sometimes I wonder, God looks at us and just jokes, like, ah, are you serious? Who gave that to all these children? And I just see the angels telling him they are your children. I'm not sure. Because we, we, we actually want prominence. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We want fame. We want to be exalted among men. That's not where a minister is. A minister is the communicator of divine truth as a portion by the Father. What you ought to do, I sense that very strongly. What you ought to do, what is your assignment? What is your calling? What is your... Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are a pastor, why don't you stay pastor in the church? You know, many times people come around and when we talk, they say, oh, you've traveled a lot. And uh, I tell them, I was born for the road. I like to travel. You know, some people, I was telling Pastor Paul yesterday, <clears throat> Pastor Paul is a very generous man. He put me in a very nice hotel. So, as we were going to, the, to my room, I told him, I said, you see, some ministers would snap that hotel. Hmm? Snap the bed. Snap all the nice places. I said, bam, Abuja, I've landed. Now, when a young minister sees that, he thinks that is ministry. Are you know what I'm saying? You eat chicken, eat rice, salad. Peace, Abuja, God's word. When you see that, you think that's ministry. So the young man that God has called to pastor his church will be desiring also. Who doesn't like to, to stay in a nice hotel? To stay there. I have stayed in hotels that I could not sleep at night. Not for insecurity. That is, they put me in the hotel. I, I lay down on one path. I can't roll on this other side of the bed because you are not sure. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? They tell that a night is too fine. I hear what I'm saying. You, they will say, where is water? They will show you, they will show you a tap. <laughs> I understand what I'm saying. Why don't you put that up? Because that will not defeat your status as an apostle. Why do you think the sufferings of Paul was recorded in the scriptures? Says with hunger, beatings. So I was flogged thirty nine times because it wasn't about their self image; it was about the assignment. Do you think if many people saw that on Facebook, they would want to travel? No. What am I trying to say? What is the real thing in ministry? What is the real thing in ministry? It's the assignment. It's the message. It's the word. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? The word is the real thing. And that word that is the real thing, if you listen to many ministers, they don't have it. They have other things. They have gadgets. They have things. They have money. But the word is not that. There is no generation that does not pay attention to proper biblical theology like this our generation. People murder scriptures. Somebody will just take a verse. And Jesus said, I said, Jesus is saying to you. I said, Jesus is saying to you. What Jesus has not said will not be said. He has said to you. He is saying, what are you saying? What are you saying? In January, God will say to you. In February, God will say to you. In March, you can just say the whole year, God will say to you. What are you saying? What are you doing in people's life? What are you doing in people's time? Doesn't your conscience prick you? That you have been given truth. This, this Bible, people died for it. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the understanding of theology that birthed Christianity. It's a, it's a religion of conviction. How did we get here? Because people just wanted to excel. How can bankers be driving cars? And a man of God will not drive a car. No, sir, that's a wrong comparison. That's a wrong comparison. If you keep your eyes on that, you will miss the goal. Instead of being excited that I've been able to teach God's people God's word today, you will go back home and feel sorry for yourself. When you see a wealthy man in your congregation, you will start running after them. You will lose your vision because you want your needs to be met. There is a, a call for the body of Christ to go back to the basics. We are losing it. Even as ministers. Realize that if you come for a minister's conference sometimes like this, and you drive a very heavy car, let's say you drive a jeep, you have four people walking after you. Huh? Realize that they'll give you a high seat. Say, you don't know him. No, no, he's a big man of God. Say, do you know him? Say, I don't know, but you can know he's a big man of God. How did you know his car? And you might have a missionary laboring among the most enhanced two converts in two years with nothing to show in your mind. It's really anointed. <laughs> You know, God looks at us and He laughs. Do you know what it will take to get one Muslim born again? What it will take to get one of them, one Muslim born again? One, one of them converted, not by supernatural revelation. I'm talking about by engagement of scriptures. The labor, the prayers, the persecution, the perseverance. I was writing something the other day that I will put up. The hallmark of an apostle is perseverance, patience. We have apostles today that are in a hurry. You know what an apostolic patience is? It's going to a city and trying to preach. And they say, don't preach. Then you now go to the tyrannous and teach daily for the space of three years. That every day you are teaching. Every day you are teaching. Now, I'm not saying you have Bible study and Sunday program. You are teaching more. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so for the space of three years, daily teaching. Examining the scripture, reasoning. That's an apostle. Apostle is not suit. He's not taught. You know, when we were in school, myself and my, my friend, we have very funny head. We didn't have pastoral haircuts. You know, we are close friends. I keep hair, he doesn't keep hair. We, we, how we wanted our hair to be shaped like that of Papa Ayo. Because we, we felt, ah, if God has called us, at least we would have molded our hair flat. So that when we shake the hair and cut the hair, they will know that God has called us. You know, when that didn't work, we now went to buy white suits, burning in. Hmm? Singing slow songs. Hallelujah. Sing it, lift it, hallelujah. <laughs> we sang hallelujah to you. Stayed in our room, waited wait, wait for good morning, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit didn't show up. I didn't know how to say it. 
They know we change their tongues to that of bishop. Cannot be poor. Eh? <laughs> that didn't work. Until the Lord began to tell us that this thing is a personal dealing. Because so many ministers still suffer from low self esteem. I hear him say, it's a personal work. If you were not needed, God would not have called you. I hear him say, if God had enough servants, he would not have summoned you. The fact that he summoned you, Pastor Ben, means that there is work for you. Thank God for the fathers of faith, but also thank God for your life. Listen, let me tell you this. There are people that those big men will never reach. You would reach them. And you stay faithful to that assignment. You stay faithful to that assignment. You stay faithful to that assignment. Glory to God. Since we've done what we should do. Effective ministry is when it's a servant that produces the desired results. It is not numbers. It is not cars. It is not nations. It is first of all what does God want you to accomplish. Do you know something that God did? He took... <laughs> you know, God took Philip from preaching a revival in Samaria and took him to go and preach to one man in the desert. That is against all church growth strategies. Even if we were to cancel him today, we say you don't have sense. How can you leave eh? a city moving revival and go and preach to one man? Why do you think today people can walk away from their churches and hand it over to a younger pastor and say, I sense my season in this church is over? Because many people build ministry as a retirement plan. They don't trust God enough. See, if you leave now, they will take your church with And so what? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Here. If God hasn't called you, eh? if they give you this church, hmm? you will run it by your own strength. I don't know why people fight over what is not worth fighting over. Except, except you're not called. If you are called, and you are even driven from your house, from your parlor, people will start coming to meet you there. It is in, in, if the staff is on you, it's on you. Is it this hustling to an open door? You know, not leaving people in box. Man of God, I'm coming to your area. Uh, how will it be? I have a word for you. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. It's unnecessary pressure. You now make enemies that you shouldn't make. You are angry that they didn't invite you. It, it, ministry is not invitation by competition. If I bring you, you will bring me. If I, except you are not busy. My friend has been trying to get me to preach for his anniversary. Three years. Since he started. Three years ago. He's invited me. Come. I, I, don't have, I mean, three weeks ago, I just sat back. I the Lord says, you need to be in Abuja. I just called him. I said, he didn't even know. He had even forgotten the anniversary. In that sense, he wasn't planning the anniversary. Because there are some of you who, if, it, if it's the anniversary month, you put yourself under pressure. Is it all you that fixed the month? When we were building, I told my church, no program. They said, ah! I said, we will not do program. We are building church. If we finish building our church, we can do any program we want to do. And this is April. And this is April. Oh, April is coming now. We don't Chief it. Move it to November. And if you get to November, the resources are not available. Cancel it for the year. The things that are non-essential have now been made essential. Hmm? Oh, we want to do program. We need to buy a new keyboard. You know what? Cancel the program. Buy a new keyboard. Your people deserve new keyboard, whether I guess minister is coming or not. There are certain times uh, I want to do a program. Ah, our mic is not good. Cancel the program. Collect all the money from the program. Go and buy a microphone. You that is putting there every Sunday, you deserve a good mic. We make program like an idol. So t-shirts, so this one, so this one. At the end of the day, all the money you gather for your rent are used in program. After program, you are not struggling to pay. That's not wisdom. Are you know what I'm saying? It's not wisdom. 
And then especially the ones that will now host people that are not in their capacity. You are a small church. You want to host Bishop T.D. Jakes. Say, Lord, I'm doing this as a seed. As a seed. It's foolishness. You are stressing yourself unnecessarily. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, you can do ministry without stress. As I'm here now, my anniversary is any month we are okay and ready that we hold it. We have done it in May. We have done it in June. We have done it in November. We have not done it at all. God is not angry with me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because there's something called wise stewardship. You are owing your landlord. You are doing anniversary. And you are teaching your church members wisdom. What you are teaching, if you have it, you should use it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pay your church rent. Pay children's school fees. Have food at home and be at peace. Children are driven out of school. You just finished. And then how do you tell the proprietors you don't have money? They see your handbills all over the place. They see big people you're bringing. They see red carpets, green carpets. Then the next day, your children don't go to school. I'll tell you something. Your children will care of hating ministry. And that's why you struggle with them. Hey, why don't you even want to serve God? They don't want to serve a God who doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. Even as a pastor, there are certain times when there's no money in the church to do church stuff. Go on your knees and tell God, you know God, this is your church. This money is to feed my children. We will eat. That church need. If it's not sorted, we will all be like that. You, you, come, you have to come to a point where it is the Lord of the work that is funding the work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If not at a point, God will say, Jehovah Jireh. You know some of us feel that we are really helping God. Ah, the last year, I bought it. Yeah, and we even boast. I give money to all of you in this church. I give money to all of you in this church. Whatever designs will be so. The church is their church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you are giving, you are also giving as a member of the church. You are not the founder of the church. But sometimes when I, when I do something in church, the money was not there. I said, God, 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 God I, I, you know I'm your servant. If I've given you my life, the money is not the issue. But this one, children will eat. We went to buy chicken, went to buy rice. We ate. Well, I was not bothered. If the call mic is not working, I'll put it in my mouth. If you are not hearing me, you will look for the money and buy the mic. I'm not the one, I'm hearing myself. I'm hearing myself. If you feel you are not hearing me there, you bring 500, 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 are you what I'm saying? So if you decide that without a good microphone, you cannot come. Let me tell you the truth. Many people that will join your ministry are not joining for a sense. They are joining for the demonstration of the Spirit and the Word of God. I had some people join us even when we're not. In fact, many people will even join you when you are prospered. Really, it is the prosperity attracting them. That's why I see that if a Christ embassy comes here now, it will be bigger than this church in one day. It's not because they really want to join the pastor here. This is Pastor Chris. The other ah, somebody will us today and say we have a university. How did you have a university? <laughs> you know there are even some of us that sold sacrificially when the university is being built. Even as non winners members, as students, way back. I, I don't know if you're We even have more right to the university than you that just came. Your offering totally is not up to 10,000. It's, it's our it's the university, of, it's the commission of our university, or the university of our commission. Were you there when they founded the vision? Because men like to associate with big things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So effective ministry is doing what God has asked. And once your people know that you are a minister that believes in doing what God has asked you to do, they will be at peace. Because one of the things you must deal with in ministry is external competition. This church is doing that. I don't have anything against all nights, please. 
But I've never done all night in eight years of ministry. I've never done. You know why don't you do? I sleep at night. I teach my people we can pray all the prayers we need to pray during the day. God will answer. If we need more time in the day, we extend. Now, Jesus did all night. I, I, I want you to understand something. I'm not against all night. Please understand me. Jesus did all night. The only all night I've done, I called my team together and we prayed for six hours all night. Prayers, six hours non-stop for all night. Why have I not done all night all in the day? All the prayers I prayed in the day, God has answered. I have not seen anyone I need to now drive my sleep off. Drive the people I'm living their sleep so that God will answer more. Because I already know that what you call night is day in another country. So your all night here... Is what is there in another country now? When you are also doing your all night, are you doing it for that which God has called you to, or because you have this pastor did all night, his church began to grow? Then what happened? Copied all night. No, no, do you need to do that? Maybe pastor started morning prayers. Praise God. Maybe pastor started morning prayers. Then you know what happened? God began to use that to touch people's life to grow the church. He comes to your church. I was like, ah, I'm doing morning prayer. Ah, morning prayer. What happens? Our victory. In this day, hour of double victory. <laughs> but you know, this is it, right? What God is using to grow you can become what now becomes a burden to his own church. He now starts that. It becomes treasure. And you know what I'm saying? Maybe that morning time, that's when he used to do his devotion. That's when God used to speak to him and give him instruction. He runs away from that. Why? He's trying to follow this man. And meanwhile, God asks this man, to do this. That's why you realize in the body of Christ, right? We copy ourselves. Just do anything that works for you now and give you time in this region. The whole churches will duplicate that program. Have you observed if you invite a minister for a particular program, after two, three days, he's doing it. Because he feels that's the secret. No, the secret is not in programs. The secret is in relationship with Jesus. He will tell you what to do. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.